You remain standing, take your copies of God's Word and turn with me to John chapter 20. John 20, we'll begin our reading at verse 24 and read tonight through verse 31. Hear now the word of God, it is infallible, it is inerrant, it is God speaking to us, so let us pay close attention. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. He said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. And put out your hand and place it In my side, do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in His name. The grass withers and the flower fades away, but the word of our God endures forever. You may be seated. Last Sunday evening, we were in verses 19 through 23, and we saw... Jesus, on the day he was raised, appearing to the disciples. We saw how the disciples were locked away because of fear. And Jesus came and he appeared to them and he said to them, Peace be with you. He showed them his hands and his side and the disciples that were glad that they saw the Lord. And then Jesus breathed upon them the Holy Spirit and gave them their commission to go out and to tell others and to forgive the sins of people and to withhold forgiveness. And so tonight we come and we hear of the disciple who doubted. We know who that disciple is. It is Thomas. Now before we are too hard on Thomas tonight, we need to understand that all of us in our Christian walk at one time Or another, we have doubted God. All of us at times in our lives have had faith that has been strong, at other times, faith that has been weak. And there are different reasons for that, but we are are not to despair tonight, for we need to remember that even though our, our faith may be weak, that even though we may from time to time doubt God and His sovereignty, 
that if our faith in Christ is true, then that faith is victorious. Later in 1 John chapter 5, John says this, For whoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And so tonight we learn from Thomas's lack of faith. But then we see how that lack of faith is turned into faith. As John Calvin states, the unbelief of Thomas is here related that by means of it, the faith of the godly may be more fully confirmed. And that should be our prayer tonight. As we take this passage and look at it, that our faith is more firmly confirmed to us here this evening. And so the first thing I want us to see tonight is faith that doubts. Now before we get to to verses 24 and 25, we need to make a few words about Thomas. Thomas is a, a very interesting disciple and we know the most about him from John's Gospel. This is the third time in this Gospel that we encounter Thomas. And each time it seems that Thomas is a person who sees the glass as half empty instead of half full. The first time we heard of Thomas in this gospel was in John 11. What happened in John 11? Well, the death and resurrection of Lazarus. In that chapter, Thomas seemed to be a a man of morbid feeling for death, was filling his mind. He also, in that chapter, had an energetic disposition for he said as the Lord said that they he had to go that that they must go also with Jesus but why so that they would die with Jesus Thomas had courage for he was ready to die with Jesus he had an affection for the Lord as he said let us also go that we may die with him The second time we hear of Thomas in John's Gospel is in in John 14, verses 1 through 5. In John 14, 6 is where Jesus tells us He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Him. But in in John 14, verses 1 through 5, Thomas was ignoring the promise of heaven as he was focusing on the departure of Jesus. As he focused upon the departure of Jesus, as His hope was lost. Once again, Thomas had a a gloomy disposition. And he had a skeptical skeptical state of mind. And so as we come and we hear of Thomas a third time in this gospel, we see not much has changed. He still has his doubts. And for him, he was doubting the words of the other apostles that Jesus had been raised from the dead. And there are several reasons for this. The first is this, that Thomas had neglected assembling himself with God's people on the day of the resurrection. In verse 24, we read, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. Now we do not know where he was. 
The disciples had met together on the evening of that first day of the week, the, the day that the Lord was raised from the dead. They, they met under the most unusual of circumstances and they assembled together as they heard the news of the risen Lord. And as they assembled, no doubt, they had feelings of suspense and, and excitement. And yet Thomas was not there. And he was one of the twelve. He was one of the disciples of the Lord, but he's not there. And he did not at that moment receive that blessing of peace and the Holy Spirit given to the other disciples. As we hear that, we, we understand that if we want a strong faith, that we, are, we too are not to neglect the assembly of God's people. We are to assemble with the people of God in worship on the first day of the week. When we neglect worship, we neglect the means of grace. And the means of grace are given to us by God to do what? To strengthen our faith. To cast aside our doubts in those times of unbelief. But then the second reason we see tonight is that Thomas failed to remember the Word of God. That Word that was preached to him and rather put his faith in empirical evidence. Verse 25, the other disciples told him, we have seen the risen Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. The other apostles, they, they preached a very simple sermon to Thomas. Jesus has been raised and we've seen him. Now that should have been enough. Immediately Thomas should have rejoiced. And recall all the times that Jesus said he must go to Jerusalem and die. But on the third day he would be raised from the dead. Thomas should have remembered all at that time all the sermons that Christ had preached. Of all the signs that he had seen. And he should have said, I believe. But he doesn't. He said, unless I see these things, I will not believe. Not just not believe, I will Never believe. Again, Calvin says this uh, concerning Thomas, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into a side, I will not believe. These words have no approach to faith, but it is what we may be called a, a sensual judgment, by which I mean a judgment which is founded upon the perception of the senses. You see, Thomas wanted to believe by way of evidence. But as he wanted that evidence, he was doubting the promises of God. Now, there's a place for evidences in the Christian life. We thank God that there are discoveries confirming His Word, that there are evidences that things we read about in the Scriptures from the Old and New Testaments, they are confirmed today as, as things are found out by those who are seeking them. But we need to understand that no man can be saved 
by the evidences of the gospel. Now, how can I say that tonight? Well, think of one man that was not saved and he had all the evidences before him and he was another disciple who was Judas. If a man could be saved by evidence alone, Judas should have been saved, but, but he wasn't because his heart was dead. Now again, we shouldn't be so hard on Thomas. Even the best of men can doubt their faith. There are times where our faith, we doubt our faith, and, and we will doubt our faith if we fail to believe that God's Word is true and that it is our rule of faith and practice. You know, when we have times of doubt in our faith, where should we go? We should go to the Word. A great place to go are the Psalms, are they not? In the Psalms, you have every emotion that one can feel. You have those who doubt. You have those who question what God is doing. We think of Psalm 73 when the psalmist goes in to the temple of God. And he goes as he, before he goes into the temple of God, what is he doing? He's complaining to God because the wicked are flourishing. And then he entered the temple of God and then he remembered their end. He remembered what would happen to the wicked. And his faith was strengthened. So the first thing we see tonight, that the, the faith that Thomas had was a faith that doubted. But then, second of all, I want us to notice a, a faith that leads to life. Now, as we talk about the doubting faith, and now we talk about saving faith, I don't want us to think that at this moment in time that Thomas did not have saving faith. He did. He had followed Christ. He believed in Jesus as his Lord and Savior. But what he had lost, he lost focus. He had lost focus on the person of Christ. Verse 26, eight days later, his disciples were inside again. And Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Now, Jesus knew that Thomas had his doubts. There's no evidence that Jesus met Thomas somewhere else and talked with him secretly. Jesus already knew and he, he came and he appeared to Thomas. And we see the grace of our Lord giving Thomas exactly what he asked for. Okay, Thomas, you want to see these things? Here they are. Here are my hands. Here is my side. Put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. But then he tells him to do something else. Do not disbelieve, but believe. I mentioned earlier, Thomas had lost focus. He was focused on purely the humanity of Christ. And he had lost sight of the fact that Christ, that Christ time and again told him and the rest of the disciples of his divinity. And so he tells Thomas, I want you to believe. And notice Thomas's answer, verse 28, my Lord and my God. Here we see Thomas's doubt 
is turned into a mighty declaration of who Jesus is. Thomas acknowledged Jesus as Lord. Jesus is, is called Lord because the Father has appointed Christ to be the highest governor that all thing, things have been placed under His dominion. As Paul tells us in Philippians 2 verse 10 that every knee shall bow before Him because He is Lord. At the last day, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. No, no, no person will be exempt from that meeting. No one will be missing. And everyone will confess that. Even unbelievers will confess the day of Christ's second coming. When they see Him in His glory. That He is Lord. Thomas also calls Him not only His Lord, but His God. Jesus is called God because Thomas is immediately carried upwards to the deity of Jesus. Thomas rightly acknowledged Jesus here to be very God. He says, Lord, and He is His God. And, and we too must have it settled in our minds that the deity of Christ is one of the, the great and grand foundational truths of Christianity. If we don't, we're not true believers in Jesus. And so Thomas gives this mighty declaration of faith. And it's faith that leads to life. Because that faith acknowledges Jesus as Lord and God. That faith that leads to life acknowledges Jesus as Thomas did. As your personal Lord and God. So Jesus responds to Thomas. Verse 29, he says to Thomas, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not, have not seen and yet have believed. Now, as we think of these words and we think back to the Old Testament, in this aspect, we are much like the Old Testament saints. You see, the Old Testament saints, they never saw Christ. Now, if you saw the, the angel of the Lord appear, and I believe that is the the second person of the Trinity, revealing Himself to some of those Old Testament saints. But by and large, those in the Old Testament never saw Christ. We have never seen Jesus, ever. Even the so-called pictures we have of Jesus, they are not real depictions of our Lord. That's why we, we should not have them. But Thomas believed because he saw the Lord. He saw the risen Lord and, and, and Jesus gave him exactly what he asked for. But Jesus says there are more who are blessed than Thomas or those who have not seen him and yet we have believed. You know, the only way we see Jesus in the life of the church is through the Lord's Supper. That is the only picture, legitimate picture we have of Jesus as when we come to the table as we will do next Sunday morning and we partake of the bread and the cup. And we are reminded of the body and the blood of Christ. But yet we have not seen Him with our physical eyes. Nor will we see Him until the day of His second coming. But if we have faith in Him, then we are blessed more than Thomas. 
As Arthur Pink states, it is faith in himself, faith which rests alone on the word which Christ pronounces blessed. And then we see that faith that leads to life can only have one proper object. And that is Jesus. I don't know if you remember some 80 or so weeks. Y'all can tell me what sermon number we're on tonight. But 70 to 80 weeks ago, we looked at these verses at the very beginning of our series on, on John's Gospel, verses 30 and 31. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. That was the purpose of John writing this gospel. Everything that he wrote concerning the the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, he wrote for this one purpose. That those who read these words, that those who sit under the preaching of this gospel, that they may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and as they believe, They have life. Twenty years ago, I preached through this gospel. And I did so for one person in the church I was serving. She was the wife of one of the elders. She had grown up in the Christian science, false religion. And one day her and I were, were talking and we were, and she just flat out told me, I don't believe that Jesus is God. And she was a member of the church. And I said, well, that's a problem. Not only is she a member of good standing, but she's a, a wife of one uh, of my elders. And so uh, I decided I would, I'd preach on John's gospel because there's no better uh, gospel to preach on that shows us the, the divinity of Jesus than this gospel. And and so I I preached through this gospel, much as we have been doing for well over a year now. Now, I I approached that a little differently because I felt like there was an urgency to what I needed to do. And I was preaching this gospel morning and evening every Lord's Day. And so at the end of of this series on John's gospel, uh, I went to her and I said, well, what do you believe now? Is Jesus God? And she said, yes. She was converted. And that was the purpose why John wrote. He wrote so that we might believe in Christ. And as we believe that we have life in his name. And so faith that leads to life has one proper object and that is Jesus. He is the object of saving faith. Faith that leads to life. Acknowledges Jesus to be the Christ. Acknowledges Jesus to be the Son of God. And there is only one faith that leads to life. And that is faith in Christ. In Him alone. It's not faith plus anything else. It's faith solely in Jesus. And so what application can we make here tonight? Well, let me ask you, who or what 
is the object of your faith this evening. If you come to me and you tell me, well, the object of my faith are my good works, you're lost. If you come to me this evening and you say, well, the object of my faith is Jesus plus my church membership, then, then you haven't understood the gospel. There's one object, and that is Christ. If He is the object of our faith tonight, then you can rest assured, even in those moments of doubt, even when you doubt whether or not you're a Christian, if you're focusing solely on Jesus and trusting solely in Him, then when those doubts come, then then you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have true saving faith in Jesus. Again, all of us doubt from time to time, but if we have true faith in Christ, if we have come to Christ in faith and repentance, if we have turned from our sins and we have come to believe solely in Jesus and Him alone for our salvation, then you can say tonight that you have true saving faith. And the good news is this, that that faith is victorious. Again, there are some times we do not feel like victors, but we are more than conquerors through Christ. We are more than conquerors through Jesus. And and our faith is victorious because it is faith in the one who is victorious, and that is Christ. He is victorious over this world. He is victorious over Satan. He is victorious over hell itself. And He is victorious over death, our last great enemy. It is a faith that will persevere because it is faith in the one who will bring your salvation to completion. What Jesus has begun in you, what God has begun in you, in your faith, he will bring to completion. It is faith that has been given to you by God. Understand that. That faith that you have tonight, it was God's gift to you. And you don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. The only thing we deserve is hell. But God in His grace and mercy gave us faith. And as He gave us that faith and we put our faith and trust in Jesus, then we have been justified in His sight. Again, when God looks upon us tonight, how does He see us? Does He see us in our sin? Does He see us in the sins we've committed today? Hopefully they're not as great today as they are during the rest of the week because it is the Lord's day, but sometimes they are. Does He see us in that sin? No, He sees us in Jesus. He sees us clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And so if you have true saving faith tonight, then thank God for it. Praise His name. Because it is all of His work, not yours. He he chose you from before the foundation of the world. He wrote your name in the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. And He sent His Son to do everything that you and I could not do or could not achieve for salvation. And at the right time, he then took that word that was being preached or that word you were reading from the Bible and he applied it by his Holy Spirit. 
And He brought you to Christ. Salvation is all by grace. And not by anything else. And so if you have saving faith tonight, thank God for it. But if you do not have saving faith this evening, then hear the words of John. John wrote these things, everything that we have went through, and even the last chapter that we'll go through in the coming weeks. He wrote all of this so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. And so as you hear those words tonight, then come to Christ. Believe in Jesus. Trust solely in Him. Turn from your sin. And if you do that tonight, then guess what? God has given you faith as well. And He has given you His grace. And He is bringing you into His family. So that you will now be a child of God. And that you will from this moment on have life. As you have believed in the name of Christ. May God add His blessing to the reading, hearing, and preaching of His Word. Let us pray. Lord, we thank You this evening for Your Word. And we confess that many times we are like Thomas. We doubt. Lord, help us in our doubts. Help us when we lack assurance. Bring us back to Your Word and back to Scripture. And, and Father, I pray if there are any tonight that are here that does not have faith in Jesus, that they might hear the words of John. That they might cry out unto Christ for salvation, believe in Jesus and Him alone as they turn from their sin, and that as they believe, they have life in the name of Christ. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.